Yeah, I know I shouldn't be singing, but I like the song. So, I, I, ever since I heard this song on uh, Fast Five, I've been a big fan. Don Omar, great singer, great job, and uh, go from there. Welcome everybody, if you're listening on download, this is something fresh for you because you have not been listening to all the other stuff. If you're listening live, then uh, you guys are probably tired because uh, I'm doing this show after just getting done with an NWA Power Review show and I figured why not. So those of you that's watching and listening to this live, I hope you're enjoying yourselves. I'm Johnny Florida and this is another reality check for y'all. Um, I hope you've been good. Uh, it's been a minute since I did the last episode. I usually do them every two weeks, but the last time I sh- last time I should have been doing the show, I ended up not doing it. It was a crazy weekend, and uh, yeah. So, but we're gonna be getting into this. I hope you've been enjoying yourselves. Um, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on, uh, both in the wrestling world, in the news world, all this other stuff. But not really relevant when it comes to this. But there is some stuff that happened recently that made me get fueled to want to do this show. I thought of doing this episode in the past before anyway, I'll admit. But, um, uh, yeah, this is, um, this, uh, finally got sparked up. So tonight's episode is, you could, uh, maybe you can guess a little bit. Music. I love this song, Danza Cadoro. It, you know, it's, it's like a, to me, it's also a cultural song and everything. You watch the music video, it gets into it. I love this kind of stuff. I listen to farm music all the time. Now, I mean, Don Omar, not really, you know, eh. but, I mean, other languages, stuff like that. I listen to Leibach at times. Which is a Slovenian rock band. I listen to uh, Rammstein, German singing. Um, everybody knows I'm a fan of 24 Herbs, which is a Hong Kong hip-hop group. I listen to a lot of music from other countries and uh, or other languages. So I always get into this stuff. And it, part of it as well is because there's also a culture to it when you look at it. You know, like Rammstein, Germany. I lived in Germany for a bit when I was in the army, and I could tell you this: Germans they love their techno music, and they love their um, and they they do love a good metal bass like Rammstein and stuff like that. So um, uh, so it goes with their culture as well. But and that's the theme for tonight. The theme for tonight is culture. Every place is a different culture. Every place got a different thing. Even in the United States, look at it. I mean, I grew up in New York. I live in Florida. Now, there's a lot of New Yorkers who live down here in Florida. But the Florida culture is different. Florida is known as a place where people can retire if you want the warm weather. You know, there's a, there's an old saying that people um, who want to forget about things move to the beach. And uh, that's a common thing. So that's what you – so a lot of people move down here. Like they moved – that was the old saying back into the 80s and 90s that people would move to Miami because they just wanted to, you know, forget stuff and, you know, let the waves for, uh be the the divider between their past and what their future is, you know. So many different. It goes with the culture. Texas has got a culture. Vermont has its own culture. Uh, New Hampshire its own culture. And I'm I'm referencing small states compared to the big states I just mentioned. But now we look into other countries as well, and there's a culture. And um, some of them could be international based cultures. Some of them could be completely people based. You know, so there's so many different things to it. Now, let me tell you what was the spark. What sparked my idea to want to do an episode on culture? And it's pretty simple. Um, one of our fans, Gareth Nelson. By the way, people, as people know, I've talked about it. If you donate to our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash WNC. Donate a minimum of $10 by the end of the year. And you will be able to enter our fantasy booking tournament. And... Um, Gareth enter, has been able to enter the tournament. He donated to us, and he's entered the tournament. He's going to be representing Guyana. Uh, Gareth, um, his family is from Guyana, and um, you know he's he's an American citizen. But he, you know, him and his family they represent Guyana, and um, uh, that's really cool. It's the first time we're going to have South America represented in this uh, in uh, this country in this uh, tournament in the last in the three years we've done this. So that's great. Uh, and I love the fact that it's a smaller country. When people think about uh, South America, what do you think about? You think about Brazil. You think about Argentina. If you watch the news, you're hearing the stuff going on with uh, Venezuela. You probably think about Colombia. That makes sense, of course. You, you think of Machu Picchu, so that means Peru. So, yeah, sure. But no one really thinks about the Guyanas too much. And, and that's okay in some ways. If it's a smaller country, smaller culture, so it's understandable. I mean, Brazil reigns over everybody, so it's understandable. Same for Argentina. Gareth invited me. To this big event that they have, uh, and I took pictures from it, the Guyanese Cultural Network Tampa Bay Chapter. And it's for Guyanese uh, people in Florida. Actually, it can come from across the country, uh, but this chapter is in Tampa. 
And uh, Garrett doesn't live in Tampa, but the Tampa chapter is the biggest chapter down here. So they came down for this event, and he's got they know people who were involved in the event, stuff like that. They got involved, and uh, he invited me because he knows how I'm with culture and the fact I live in the area. And I went, I put on my suit, and I got dressed up, looking good, and I went, and it was a ball. I learned I learned a lot with the guy in his culture. I was talking to people. There's a guy who served in the military, you know, a career time, you know, a lot of involved, like UN peacekeeping and security, and uh, you know, talks about all this stuff. So many fun things learned about the guy in his culture, and that's the fun part is because it's a country that people don't think about too fast, and that's what makes it even more enjoyable for me to want to learn is because. I can learn everything I can about Brazil, and I want to. I love learning these things. But Guyana, being a country people don't think about, makes it even more enjoyable because it's got a it's 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 a bit of a niche to it. It's retro, as the kids would say back in the nineties. Whatever, dude, it's so retro. Yeah, I know. Now I sound lame, but I mean there is something to it, and I really wanted to do that. The food was amazing. First thing off, Guyanese people do not consider themselves South Americans. They consider themselves Caribbeans. They consider themselves Caribbeans. They're the same as, you know, people in Cuba, same as in people from, uh, the, from Barbados, same as in people from Jamaica. But Guyana is on the mainland. They have some islands, yes, but they're on the mainland. Uh, you know, and, but they consider themselves, uh, part of Caribbean. They're part of CARICOM, the Caribbean community. They, I think they host CARICOM's headquarters. You know, so go figure. You know, that's one thing. They don't consider themselves the same as people from uh, South America, even though they're completely land-based. Again, minus the islands. Um, so there's that niche going with it. Now, that's something fun to learn. I'm learning about the, they, the, the people from Guyana are not, for the, for the most part, they're not fans of spice. They're like Cubans. They don't go for spice too much. Jamaicans love spice. People from Mexico love spice. Puerto Rico, eh. I've met some people that are just not that they, they don't get into the spice either. You know, Guyana they don't do spice too much. Now, now Garrett's family, they do a lot of spice for the record, and it was some good stuff. Um, uh, vinegar-based spice is what they had, but um, you know, so learning stuff like that. There's always so much fun to learn about these about these cultures and stuff like that, and there's so much psychology behind culture. There's so much psychology that can be done behind uh, about this and to look at it because so many ways culture can be created from multiple things. One, normal practices and customs that just start being made around the area and they become they just become the way of life. They become part of the customs. They become part of the culture. Others, they purposely make them so that they can be different from other places. You look at Native American tribes. Of course, a lot of the tribes they were far apart from each other, so they started doing their own things, and then they got they eventually clashed with each other, and they were different. You know, um, they didn't do all the same stuff. They didn't practice the same practices. They didn't do that. You look at Mexico; people always know Mexico is just one country. You know, they don't think about the fact that there's the Mayans, the Incans, the Aztecs, all this kind of stuff. You know, you go down to South America, you got Andeans, you got the Mayans, so it stretches out like that, and in this whole area. All these places are not the same. You look at these smaller countries in Central America. The people of Guatemala, in many ways, can be the same as people from South Mexico. But guess what? People from South Mexico are not the same as people from North Mexico. If you're from the Yucatan, you're not the same as people from Sonora or from Chihuahua or from Jalisco. They're, they're completely different. That's one country, you know. That's the fun thing about these things with culture is that psychologically these people are all different from each other. And it takes time over time. It takes a practice. It takes all these different things uh, and what happens. And then especially when you find yourself in places where you do things differently. So I wanted to get into that. I wanted to analyze it. First off, what tech is basically the definition when it comes to an individual culture? Because there's many things that could be said to that, you know, about what truly is um, – the what truly defines a, a culture? What truly is the items that makes it to where it's different? I'm going to do this. I'm pulling this up from dictionary itself. The definitions of culture: the arts and other manifestations of human intellectual achievement regarded collectively. The second definition is the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group. And in the biological sentence, uh, set, the culture is uh, completely different, you know, like blood cultures and all that. Um, that's the um, that's what that falls into. Now you look at so you look at the culture that right there goes into anthropology, 
archaeology, sociology. The, the cultures are man-made. A culture is completely man-made. Now, maybe they'll be taking things that are not made for man and it becomes part of it. For example, Greece is uh, Greece's cuisines have a very heavy influence of seafood, much more than the Italians. Uh, if you look at per capita in terms of like the way of the amount of cuisines and meals and recipes and stuff like that, seafood. And that's because Greece is a very naval-based country, you know? I mean, the, in cases like Greece, I mean, you look back at the cases like the Spartan and the Athenian armies, the soldiers and stuff like that, but Greece became what it became because it had a powerful navy. It's so, it's so many islands, completely a coastal country, so there's going to be a lot more fish involved. That became, the, Humans did not make fish, but... It became they utilized and made a part of uh, their culture with their cuisines. You look at um, you know, other places like you look down in uh oh my god, I'm trying to is it like uh, I know East Timor does. There's other countries where like maybe they don't always be able to make bread, but they actually found a way to take bark and other parts of a tree, be able to grind it down to pieces and be able to turn it into like make tortillas and pitas and stuff like that out of bark, and it looks pretty good actually. To be honest, I would love to try it. Purely natural, it's from a fucking tree. You know, that became part of their culture. They didn't make the tree, but they were able to take from the tree and make something. That's part of the culture, part of their cuisine. That right there, and I'm referencing a lot with food, clearly, but that's, I think, because it's the fact that people can uh, associate so much. You look at Italy, and their culture is so much different. Sicily <clears throat> had to very much base itself, its culture, with stuff such as seafood and fishing and etc. Then you look at, at Venice. Same thing. Venice is, is is a flooded city, so they built around it, and that's why one of the things is you know there's not too many cars involved in in Venice, but there's a lot of gondolas. You know, get a gondolier to boat you around. You know, people boating as well and stuff like that. But then you look at places like Rome and um, and Florence, both uh, coastal cities, but I mean. You know, they weren't as base as much. They were able to do stuff like that. Maybe, uh, you know, depending on what the altitude is of places, and you're able to do much better farming and, and horticulture and agriculture and all that kind of stuff. You know, all these things they take from Mother Earth and they're able to create and become part of their culture because it's still a man-made in those cases. How it's utilized becomes man-made, you know. And it, it doesn't have to just be from that. You know, you could be like, uh, look at some of the older places, how they made houses out of clay, and sand and dirt and stuff like that. That became part of their culture. With like you look at these clay huts and all that, or how people were able to build, finally build houses, learning from using trees and logs and stuff like that, making log cabins. They use mud and stuff like that to pack in. And that become the insulation. You wouldn't have anything come through. You put some grass on top, and it actually helped uh, make the place get warm and all that. It's kind of amazing. You know, they use the local vegetation and they made something that's part of their culture. You look back at the Aztecs and the famous ziggurats. You know, those uh, those pyramids that were steps they weren't perfect triangles they were step triangle pyramids you know and uh that's part of the culture you look at huts with different native tribes you have a native tribe that's used to being out in the winter at all times like the sioux of south dakota then you compare it with a native tribe like the navajo in arizona where they get some cold paws but for the most part it's a hot place you know cultures are completely different from each other and that's in one country i just mentioned you know so there's so much that comes within all this realm you know, by the way, quick sign up for anybody listening on the live portion. Uh, well, this is all live portion. Uh, if you listen on the Mixler, jump over to our Discord because we got less than five minutes left on the clock. So uh, there, there's that. I'll be letting you guys know another announcement in the next couple minutes. So, But culture comes down to what we make and what we do. You look at the American culture, for example. America, what's our culture? Melting pot. We took We, we started with a culture of the native tribes. And then the Puritans came over from like England or Portugal and Spain because of guys like Christopher Columbus and all that and built up and mixed those two cultures in, if you will. You know, three, between the native tribes, a crux. I mean, every tribe is different, but the natives, I'll say that as one crux. Then you got the, the, the English and then the Spanish, the French over as, at time as well, you know. But you look at the United States today and we have so many different things. Hot dogs and hamburgers, American pastime foods. Guess what? They're German. Baseball, guess what? That comes from cricket, a British sport. You got, um, you know, we, uh, 
our art and our architecture down here in Florida, very popular for Spanish architecture. You look at other places, there's actually some areas that are Dutch. I, there's a town. Uh, there was a girl I was seeing who lived outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And let me tell you that the area that she was living at, her place itself was not like this. But there was a lot of places that had a very, very big uh, Danish or Dutch look to it. Um as far as the, the layout and the way it was built, it, really cool looking, you know? So, like, I'm looking at these things and I'm thinking to myself, my God, I'm expecting these people to tell me they're from Copenhagen or from maybe uh, Amsterdam or something, you know? Because you could look at some of the houses and you could tell they're, they're very similar to the designs, but you could tell which ones are very Danish uh, prevalent and which ones are Dutch prevalent. And that, that happens. So, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good like that. And that's in North Carolina. People would think New York because it used to be New Amsterdam, you know. And I'm rambling at that point with that. But these are the things that comes in, you know. And now we're just talking about that side. We look over to the West Coast and guess what? Washington State has a Russian touch to it in some cases. California has a lot of Asian influence and Hispanic influence. Texas has got a lot of Hispanic influence. You know, there's a difference between the Spanish and the Hispanic, you know, culture and influence like that. Part of East Texas, actually, the Edelsferden region, like Neubraunfels, has a very German background. There's actually some Czech, uh, Czech, not Czech, Czech background in some places in Texas as well. You know, all these things mashed up and mixed up. Minnesota, very Scandinavian background from the days of the Vikings. These things just mixed in, and the American culture, you know, when we talk about people like talking about, you know, immigration is a pastime for America, taking in everybody, and that goes within it as well. Because everybody, it's so true, everybody came in, and we just took a little bit of everything. So many different things. Like I said, from hot dogs and hamburgers being German to baseball coming from cricket to where, you know, we changed up football. We made American, uh, American football, and guess what? That comes from, that comes from rugby. Which is a British sport as well. You know, there's so many things that we have. The only things I can come up with, I, st I thought about this years back. What is truly American that does not have a touch from another country? You know, um, you know, and you gotta think about it. What do we have? Okay, uh, America, uh, pie. You know, well, that actually comes from pastries. It's got a French touch to it. You look at, um, uh, pizza, clearly Italian. Actually started with the Chinese, but yeah, you got that. You know, I, I mentioned the hot dogs and hamburgers. What else is there that's truly American? Here's what I can come up with. Cracker Jacks, Monster Drucks, and Demolition Derbies. That's the only thing I can come up with that are truly American. It doesn't really have too much of an influence. You know, now the Demolition Derby could literally come from like, okay, European car racing. And then there was enough crashes involved that somebody was like, oh, I got an idea. What if we make a, take one of these races, but it's nothing but crashes? You just take the cars that crash each other, you dunk it in the toilet. That's a that's a Jim Gaffigan joke right there. But like seriously, you know that last part, the dunk it in the toilet. But seriously, like that's maybe there's that. You know they saw enough crashes. People like seeing the crashes. Like we'll, we'll make it a sport about it. Call it a demolition. Well, what what kind of thing? Well, I mean they're racing like the horses, uh, which is a derby, demolition derby. There you go. That's it. Demolition derby, monster trucks, cracker jacks. American pastimes that I don't think has an influence from another country. Maybe. But, yeah. For everybody on the mixer, we got less than 20 seconds left on the clock. So jump over to the Discord. Other than that, we will talk to you guys later. For those on the Discord, keep listening. And for those listening on the download, just keep doing what you're doing. Even right now, by the way, I'm taking a nice drink from some... This has definitely got a culture thing. I'm drinking a glass of Madeira. I've got only half a glass left in this bottle that I just poured. Madeira, this bottle itself is uh, Opeachy Vineyards uh, Madeira out of uh, upstate New York, Washingtonville, it says on here. So, um, and there goes the Mexler. So, there you go. You guys just heard that sound? That's it. So, fullness. <sighs> but, um, in any case, um, but proper Madeira, the name for Madeira wine actually comes from the Madeira Islands, uh, the, the Portuguese Islands is what it comes from. And um, so this is not even technically a proper Madeira because under European standards, the Madeira needs to be Madeira wine grapes from the Madeira Islands. Uh, so but the fact that it's called Madeira and it's from Washingtonville, New York as an American dessert wine means it actually does not meet the standards. Probably the same kind of grapes, of course, but it's not in the same altitude and uh, climate and location, clearly. So there's that. But even Madeira is a completely cultural thing. They're very strict about the standards. To be a true Madeira, it needs to come from the Madeira Islands. Stuff like that. Adds to a culture. Adds to the pride for the people of Portugal. Mm.
very strong. Very strong. If you're used to wine and you never had Madeira, you got to be careful with this stuff. Not like in a negative way, but you'll, you won't expect it. Same as Greek wine, the Mavridophany, which is made from raisins and grape and dates. You know, good stuff there. So, this is these are the different things with the cultures that can come into it. You know, and there's a lot of goods that can come with uh, culture uh, uh, of anybody. You know, now I just mentioned the the wines, and I was mentioning other foods. A culture is in so many ways. Maybe it wasn't originally intended always, but it did become the case. It is an identity. A culture, in the end, is the identity. When you think about a people, you think about their culture before anything else, and that's what it becomes, and that's what it is. And and, and it's not and it's not always in a negative way, but that that, that is that. <clears throat> now let's look at uh, here's an example. Let's look at some negative cultures. I've had people in the past who will make um, – I'm going to go very dark on this. When they think about German people, they think about the Nazis. You know, I'm taking, I'm just going right into it. Let's look at the, the negative stuff. When people think about it, they think about the Nazis. And what it is is people think about the Nazis for what they did and the horrors they were, and they were German. I mean there were a lot of Austrian Nazis who did what they did. There were – I mean you had Yugoslavic Nazis. You had some Polish Nazis. Not really. Not a lot. But other people in other places, Romania had some Nazis, and they grew like that. And they did horrible acts, very horrible acts, the most horrible acts you can think about. And um, there's all that joy, uh, joys if you think about it in, 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 in the eyes. Now, when I say the joy, I'm, th I'm saying it in an ironic sense, that that's what people think about with the Germans. Keep in mind that the Nazi party was only in power for 12 years. And that ended in 45. Yet to this day, when people think about Germans, sometimes they think about the Nazis. They, I mean, you can think about that in German history, sure, but you don't, you shouldn't think of Germans like that. Germans actually cannot stand the fact that the Nazis even existed today. They wish it never happened. They do everything they can. I remember watching a documentary and it talked about like Operation Valkyrie, which was the July 20th plot to kill Hitler. And at the very end, they talked about how when they got a, a, the Germans got approved to host the World Cup in 2006, I believe. And they were ecstatic, and there was some of them who said that they finally felt like they could be proud to be called German, because it's like before that they felt like they couldn't be proud to be a German because of the Nazis and everything that happened. We're talking about 2006. We're talking 51 years, 61 years after the fall of the Nazis, and people were still hesitant to be proud to be called a German. You know, that's a negative thing that goes with the culture. So a political party that was able to rise up and eventually take power and was destroyed in the 1940s. And to this day, people are still worried about their culture being a German because of those acts and don't want to associate with themselves with those with those acts of those people. So that to the point that they're even afraid to admit that they are what they are, you know, now. We can look at another negative one. Let's look at the Aztecs. The Aztecs in Mexico. They were the ones who were on top of the ziggurats were the ones taking a person, sacrificing them for the sun god and all those other ones, uh, gods out there. And they would sacrifice by cutting their heart out. And the, they pull out and the heart would actually still be beaten for a little bit as they sacrificed their god. And it was said that like uh, in Tenochtitlan that they may have uh, sacrificed like up to 20,000 people, even more at that place. You know, it's crazy to think that. You know, that's a negative thing, but that's not a culture too much people think about too much anymore. Uh, first off, people don't read history like they used to. Second, even if reading, people don't bother to remember or, or know about history, you know, let alone actually reading it, and, uh, and et cetera. You know, but that doesn't mean that, you know, all Aztec descendants are wanting to cut our hearts out. No. Few people think that way, of course, uh, about people who are Aztec. But there are people who think that way, and there are people who who wonder because it was part of their culture, you know, like, oh, I'm Aztec. I'm like, okay, so you want to cut my heart out, huh? It's like, okay, no, doofus, you know. It's that's just that's not the case anymore. But people want to wonder, people want to think, people want to say, and those that, now that's just a weird example because that's a forgotten part of history people forget about. You know, the Nazis people still think that way <clears throat> on some things or wonder. You know, uh, let's look at a negative thing about the French. The French, this is actually a positive thing, but it's seen as negative to people. The French culture, they are proud of their culture. The French people are so proud. They're, 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 they're strict on maintaining a French culture. They want French cuisine. They want French um, 
uh, sports pushed up. They they maintain French culture. They're strict about how much of the French language is spoken and how much of other languages can be spoken. They're strict about to the point that on they actually have laws of how much music can be played on the radio that is not French or origin or the bands are not French origin. You know, because you could have some band that makes a, that's um, Polish, but they sing a, a famous French song and that can get by on the numbers. You know. You know, stuff like that. Or, they, okay, it's a, a French band, but maybe they're singing music that actually comes from uh, co- co- comes from Bulgaria or something, you know, something like that. Or maybe they are a French singing band, but they, they sing the music in French, but they're not a French band. You know, maybe they're a Canadian band who sings French. You know, so it's like, okay, how much of that will we allow? Because they're not actually a French band, so they don't meet those numbers, but they can meet the numbers for being French language. So there's stuff like that. They are very strict about maintaining the French culture. I remember watching a video, this back in high school, high school or college, where they had, they were showing video, I think it was in college, where they showed people were actually vandalizing a McDonald's being built in their town because they didn't want their town to become Americanized. They want to maintain French culture, French food, French cuisine, French culture. You know, the French are very proud of it, as they should. They should be proud of their culture. The French, I mean, a long history a long history going all the way back to even the days before William of Normandy who became William the Conqueror after the Battle of Hastings in 1066. You know, we're talking about all the way back then. Those were the Normans back then. You know, uh, William the Conqueror and everything. William of Normandy, the Normans, you know. Whether you get the Parisians and stuff like that. These people go all the way back well over a thousand years. <clears throat> so it's okay and understandable, they want to maintain their culture. They want to maintain their look. Same for the Egyptians. Same for the Anglo-Saxon Brits. Same as the Iranians. I mean, the, the Persians, you know. Uh, they There's so much culture they want to maintain. Now let's look at some positive culture items. And I was just talking about, I just talked about like French cuisine. I mean, who here has ever eaten camembert or brie? Those are two types of cheese from southern France. I love them. They're awesome. Very similar to each other. There's actually a difference to it. You'll, you'll, when you get really get into them, you'll notice the differences. Um, <clears throat> There is a culture into how they cook and how they make their things. For example, like talking about cheese, you know, Andrew Zimmerman, I remember watching this clip, he took a trip to Paris. And in, in, in France, the government can actually issue a crafts license for people who are culinary or cheese makers, for example, you know. And you can get to the point where you can actually earn a license as a master craftsman. You know, they show about how they, the, the brie cheese or the camembert was made and then how they put in a cellar and, like, they keep a mark on for each of the, the rounds, like, how old they are, how they age, because they show there's actually a, a flavor change when they're aged and stuff like that. The same goes for wine, you know, so many other kinds of foods. There's a full thing with the culture. The French are so proud of their culture, they're going to maintain that they issue a master craftsman license. In Japan, you're basically an amateur. You ever eaten blowfish? You know, that fish that's like 90% of it is poisonous, so you can only eat the certain parts? Yeah, you're considered an amateur blowfish. I forgot the exact name of the of the fish in Japanese or how they use other than blowfish. Um, you can be a blowfish chef. Okay, and where you uh, to cut the blowfish and stuff like that, making sure you're serving only good parts. You consider like an amateur for as long as say ten years for this freaking fish on how to cut it up because you're trying to make sure you don't give anybody the poisonous parts. You know, um, even the parts that's non-poisonous, there may be a little bit of a tingle, and um, you know you'll and and you go with that. So there's actually so much more that can be. Uh, that that, that 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 can be done, and that's why they say like, okay, you need ten years, basically, to be a to be considered an actual uh, chef for this item. I mean, again, think about that. You're at the point where you got to do ten years just because could no longer be considered an apprentice or an amateur. My God, it's amazing. You know that goes with the Japanese culture because they're strict on maintaining the culture that involves eating the blowfish or the fact of um just to be able to serve it. You know, the Japanese, I mean, whoever watched Whale Wars, you know, here's the negative one. The Japanese have always been known about when it comes to eating certain animals, including whales. So you had the Whale Wars where the sea shepherds would go and try to stop them and everything, and the Japanese still are pushing through and <clears throat> harpooning and killing the whales, trying to put them under research and stuff like that, and then go abouts from there. And then they would eventually serve the meat. 
you know, and it's like these, this is, I mean, it's crazy to think that, but that, you know, it's part of their culture. We can go back to the, the, the uh, the Inuits and the Eskimos in, in Northern Canada and Alaska. They eat whale. They'll eat, they eat whale blubber and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's normal. You know, they, they eat the eye. I think it was Andrew Zimmerman as well that he went and he had to eat an eye or at least at the offer. I don't know if he ever ate it. You know, look at our culture here in the United States. What's the normal foods to eat? There are what? Four or five animals that's normal to eat in the United States. Chicken, turkey, cow, beef, pig, pork, and depending on the cases, lamb. You know, um, I mean, lamb is considered normal in the entire United States, but not everybody in the United States eats lamb. Okay. Um, but then you got other cases. Down in, here in Florida, I've eaten alligator. I've eaten eel because of Japanese uh, cuisine. When I lived in Alaska... I've eat. I ate Arctic caribou. I ate reindeer. I ate moose, and I ate bear. You're not going to be eating any of those in Alaska. First off, most for the most part, not indigenous to to. I mean, in Florida, for the most part, not indigenous in Florida. But even if it was, say up in in New York, for the most part, New Yorkers are not eating moose. By the way, it was delicious for the record. Uh, moose are naturally very lean, so actually there's not a lot of fat in them. So if you're going to make like a burger or something like what happened to me, you got to mix in an egg yolk, make it stick together. Otherwise, it's perfect for a sloppy joe. So just a little fun fact for that. Um, but you got this, and with the that's, – that's part within our own culture, you know. You got in the United States, jambalaya, rice and beans are popular in Louisiana. Same as in Mexico and uh, Texas and New Mexico and all that because of the Mexican reference. Uh, but a certain way of how they make it, different colored beans and different way of cooking and different flavoring, you know, that goes in the Louisiana rice and beans, a French touch to it, you know, um, jambalaya, gumbo, all that kind of stuff. You know, Louisiana's got its own thing. You go to Minnesota and they eat stuff like lutefisk. Ugh. You want to talk about a smelly fish? My God, lutefisk. There's so much of these cultures that goes in the food and so many other things. We can look at architecture, you know. That I mentioned, uh, and you know, I mean, we can move on from the architecture because I mentioned that so much. But there is so much that could be done with culture. Now, here's the other thing that goes with culture: is the fight to protect it. I've talked about the, po- the positives and the negatives, but let's talk about the protections of a culture, because so many places want to protect their own culture because they don't want to get overran. You know, let's look at the Native American tribes. There's a lot of Native American tribes that their cultures are gone. Because those tribes are gone. The tribes are killed off. They went to wars with other tribes. They died and they lost. And the people had to get accustomed to that tribe's uh, customs. Whether it's in the United States or back in the native tribes like in Africa. Like for the Zulus and the Zandes. You know. <clears throat> um, the Awe, the Kabye, um, and it's, and etc. You know. You look at look at the Ivory Coast. The Ivory Coast is a small nation in West Africa. French language as well they got like four or five different cultures uh, mainly in their country and regional kings and guess what side note in one of them in the 1990s they made michael jackson the king so michael jackson actually was a king in africa figure um but there's so much that can be done with these things you got to look back and you got to see what it is and you'll be amazed at what you see with the fact that they fight to protect their culture their way of life you know? It's their lands, it's their people, and they must protect it at all costs, you know. <clears throat> and whether we're talking about native tribes or whether we're talking about na- native countries, you know, the Yugoslavs were created at the fallout of uh, Austria-Hungary and emerging of some lands with in- and stuff like that, including Serbia. <clears throat> and, you know, it was a mainly Bosnian and Serbian dominant culture. And uh, they went about that, but they wanted to maintain the Yugoslavics. Even after the fall of Yugoslavia in 91, after the fall of the, of the Soviet Union, you know, there was the Croat War. So, Slovenia broke away. Uh, Bosnia eventually broke away, but there was the socialist, I think it was called the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia or the Federal Republic, whatever. They tried continuing on. Made up of Serbia, Montenegro, <clears throat> Kosovo, uh, I think Macedonia broke away at that point. You know, maybe Macedonia was with them for a little bit longer. But yeah, you know, that's what happened. You got these cultures that they do want to maintain themselves. You look at the German culture. One of the big reasons why the Nazis were able to get strong was because they heavily emphasized the idea of German culture, which was a mixture of many different cultures from Baden-Württemberg to Saxony 
to the Prussians, to the Bavarians, to so on and so forth. All the the Rhineland, all these different places were so much. You know, you look at the, but you look at the great Germanic culture. It included places like parts of Czechoslovakia and Austria and Western Poland to the point that that's why Hitler was able to take these lands because he was talking about trying to unite the Germanic people. Going back to the days of the Holy Roman Empire, so you got the Austrians joining up. You got the parts of Czechoslovakia that joined up. You got Czechoslovakia itself that joins up. You've got. Uh, yeah, I mean, but the rest of Czechoslovakia because he took it over. You got parts of Poland where some German people want to come back because Western Poland used to be part of Germany. You know, you look at the French, it's the same thing. Whether we're talking about Toulouse, whether we're talking about the Normans, whether we're talking about um, the Parisians, the people from Marseille, Nice, all are different. You know, and that's in one culture, uh, so to speak, of a national culture that is the French. You know, we can talk about. In the British, uh, right now, the British culture is a great example. The people of York and the people of Bath are not the exact same as the people of London. You know, the people who are from Liverpool are nowhere uh, like those from the people in some facets as people of Birmingham. Actually, in many ways, they're similar, of course, but different. You know, the people of England and the people of Wales are different. They're different from the people of Scotland, who are different from the people of Ireland. Now, the Welsh, the Scots, and the Irish are all Celtic, so they unite like that. But the Scots are completely different from the Irish in many ways as well. You know, there's a separate culture. The Northern Irish are still part of the United Kingdom to this day, but they have a lot. They definitely have a culture into themselves because they got such an English representation for the fact that uh, since 1922, when the Irish Free State happened, they're still to this day part of the United Kingdom. Ireland has been able to push more and maintain in their own individual look and culture and customs and everything. Northern Ireland has a lot of that too, don't get me wrong. But now you got a mixture heavy of the strong influence from Ireland and the strong influence from England and from Scotland because they're right across the water and you got Northern Ireland. I mean, these cultures mix each other up as well, of course, That's in, in, in many ways. You know, Ireland's got some similarities with with England, just as England's got similarities with Scotland. Scotland's got similarities with Wales, and so on and so forth. They have some of that, but the languages are different. Irish Gaelic is different from Scottish Gaelic, which is different from Welsh. You know, you can, a person from that speaks Irish Gaelic cannot speak to somebody from who speaks Welsh. Maybe a couple of words, you know. But we can look into a culture, and right there, there's another one, culture of language. Because the way people speak to each other is a big thing. You look at Spanish people. People say, oh, I speak Spanish. Oh, really? That's good. What kind of Spanish? Because let me point out something to you. If you speak Spanish like traditional Spain, you will not be able to understand every word as someone from Chile says. Because Chilean Spanish has a lot of its own slang. People who speak Chilean Spanish are not going to be able to remember and understand everything that a person who's Mexican says compared to people who are from Puerto Rico, compared to people who are from, um, <clears throat> you know, like, um, oh, my God. I'm trying to think of somebody from the Caribbean. But like people from, um, from uh, Honduras or Panama. You know, they all have a different slang. That's a big thing. I remember being in high school, and I was trying to read this news article for a report I had, and I had a buddy who spoke Spanish. He was Puerto Rican. And I asked him if he can read it, and it was Chilean Spanish. And he's like, dude, I can translate some of this. I can't translate all. And that's when I was getting my first glimpse of the understanding that, hey, each language it, it has its own different breakups into it. You know, Look at the United States. We have different slang. You know, <clears throat> Down here in the south, we like to say, y'all. Y'all come back now. You hear? You know? Whereas back in New York, they'd say use, or use guys, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, they'll say you or yous, like out west and everything. Uh, we could talk about soda. It's called soda in the north. Out west, they can call it pop. There's some places that say soda pop. But then you got uh, around the Atlanta area, they'll say Coke. What kind of Coke you'll have? I'll have a Sprite, you know. Technically, that's fair. Sprite actually belongs to Coca-Cola. So, <laughs> mm. But they say that. There's that slang, you know. We could, there are parts of the country that says "dude." There was parts of the country that New York will say "bro," but in California they'll say "bruh," you know, "hey bruh," you know, "b r u h." Meanwhile, in the in New York, it's "bro," b r o, maybe an h, "bro," 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 "bro." For the rest of the wrestling fans, know I'm trying to make fun of Vince Russo for that, but it's, seriously, I mean that is the case. A lot of New Yorkers will say "bro." It's common for us. The, the 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 culture 
of a language happens so much. I've had debates like this with Papa Dave, uh, one of our co-hosts with the WNC Network. Papa Dave is from Texas, everybody. Um, he grew up also in Louisiana, and he's got family from Pennsylvania. <clears throat> but he's a Texas man, tried and true. Uh, he'll be proud to say Louisiana in many ways, but he's not a native of Louisiana. And he'll be the first one to point that out. I remember explaining one time how in history, one of the things is the Scott, the, the Scott, oh my God, the Southern <clears throat> accent was not as pronounced as it, as it is now. Back in the day, Southerners spoke very similar to Northerners. You look back at the colonial days, like back in the days of like the Continental Congress, the people of South Carolina and the people of Massachusetts spoke very similar to each other. The, the accents were not really different at all, you know. You know, they had they all had an English touch to it, but you look now, and a person who's coming from battle uh, from battle uh, battleground Alabama does not speak. Hey, whoa, he doesn't speak anything like me. Hey, hey what are you doing, bro? You know, I'm from Brooklyn. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, my, my cousin, man, he's from Hoboken. You know, a person who's from New York and a person from New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans. Do not speak the same because they got an accent. You know, people from Nolens, they got a French Cajun uh, Creole going on. You know, that 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 Creole boy, you know, they all got a different language uh, accent, a dialect is what they say. Because the, the, you could say an accent, but a lot of people like to say a dialect when it's within one country, you know. Um, if it's a different country, they'll do the accent, you know, an English accent versus an American accent. But then it's a southern dialect with a northern dialect with a, no, with a New Orleans dialect. You know, that's what happens. So there's the mixtures that happen. And um, and people, they uh, they don't they don't uh, they, 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 they so they use a different term like that within the United States. Those are not technically accents. People, will, the average person will say an accent. That's OK. But officially, they de- treat it as a dialect. Um, but it was said that after the Civil War, one of the things that the South did, because the South wanted to maintain that mindset of not of facing off against Northern aggression, and they didn't want to sound the same as those hoity-toity Northerners anymore. So they got rid of the ye old Southern accent and Southerfied it to the upteenth degree, and now we got Southern accents going on, man. I mean, literally, they got a whole Southern accent. I mean... <clears throat> It's really funny when you look at how it's... I mean, I, I pointed out Old Southern English. Here we go. Old Southern American English was a set of American English dialects of the Southern Prime, uh, United States, blah, 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 up until... Spoken by white Southerners up until the American Civil War. Moving towards a state of decline by the turn of the 19th century, further accelerated by World War II, and again, finally, by the Civil Rights Movement, yada, yada. These dialects have since largely given way on a larger regional level to a more unified and younger Southern American English, notably recognized today by a unique vowel shift... <clears throat> and certain other vocabulary and accent di- characteristics. Some features unique to older Southern U.S. English persist today, though typically in only very localized dialects as or speakers. You know, and there's a full thing about it. But yeah, it's pointing out the fact that there is the there was the old Southern accent, and then after the uh, after the, uh, the 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 ending of the uh, the Civil War, they started changing it to their own thing. You know. Um, and collecting oral histories from natives of the area. This study offers insight and knowledge, specific linguistic phonetic variants native to the area as well. That's pretty cool. Old Dominion University. That's in Virginia, right? Yeah, Norfolk to be exact. Uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. You know. Okay, I like what they're doing here. So. And it goes phonology, and listen to this. They show like different versions of the phonetics and phonology of different places from southern Louisiana to Piedmont and Tidewater, Virginia, to Pamlico and the Chesapeake, to Charleston, South Carolina, to Appalachia. Or Appalachia is how it's pronounced. You know, <clears throat> so on and so forth. You know, different places had different accents. And they, then they started pushing for a more united, unified Southern accent, and that's what happened. They they wanted to make themselves different from the Ameri- from the Northern Americans. You know, that's why you have so much. Whether it's changing their music to make sure emphasis on the bluegrass and the com and the uh, country music, we gotta maintain this because this. Uh, if it were up to them New Yorkers, we ain't gonna hear this music no more. We need to maintain a Southern culture, and Southern accent, and Southern pride. The South will rise again. 
and guess what? Well, you know, it's funny. The South rose again. I know people still say the South shall rise again, but guess what? Seven of the ten most populated cities in the United States are in the South. Um, of the most populated country states in the U.S., three of the top four, Southern. California is a weird one, but it's the number one. Texas and Florida, number two. New York's number three. Um, you know, I'm pulling up right now for most populated U.S. cities, which takes us to list of cities in the United States, yada, yada. But list of populated places in the United States. Here we go. List of U.S. cities by population. And uh, I bet you guys will want to take a guess. I'm going to take a guess. Figure out how what the, what the top cities are, you know. Don't worry, I'll wait. Do 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 do. Okay, here we go. Um, oh, that's a surprise. Okay, these are the cities: New York City, Los Angeles, California, Chicago, Illinois, Houston, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, that surprises people a lot. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, San Antonio, Texas, San Diego, California, Dallas, Texas, San Jose, California. Those are the top ten. So, three of them are in California. San Jose, Los Angeles, and San Diego. Uh, side note, I'm surprised San Francisco was in the top ten. It's actually number 15. And then you got Austin, Texas. You got Jacksonville, Florida. You got Fort Worth, Texas. You got Columbus, Ohio. San Francisco, California. Charlotte, North Carolina. Indianapolis, Indiana. Seattle, Washington. Denver, Colorado. And finally, Washington, D.C. at number 20. But because of the fact that it's not actually a city it's its own thing we'll say boston at number 20 because it's 21st um oh look at that they could just gain 10,000 more people they will outdo dc and become uh the 20th most populated uh but think about that for the top you take the top 10 cities only three of them are still in the north new york city at number one number three chicago and number six philadelphia you've got three of them are in texas three of them in california the most northern one being san jose and the other one is Phoenix, Arizona. So the top ten, let's just say six out of ten are in the south because San Jose is cut a line across. It's not too far south of uh, Philadelphia. I mean, if we were to cut a line across, it would actually be north of Baltimore. So there you go. Um, six out of the ten like that. And that's the amazing thing, you know. Uh, but California is considered a southern state, so there's that. But, you know, I mean... It's uh, the North does not dominate anymore when it comes to the populations, but now California dominates. It's got its own thing going on, and San Francisco and San Diego and San Jose are different from each other in many ways as well. You know, San Jose much more up north. San Jose is the crown jewel of North California of NorCal. You know, alongside San Francisco in some facets, uh, San Francisco is more of a SenCal actually, but LA and San Diego control the South. You know, of California. You look at Texas. All on a regional basis. El Paso controls the very end of West Texas. But that does not mean uh, that all of West Texas is the same. El Paso's got its own thing. Houston's got its own thing in East Texas. Dallas. Turns out it's actually North Texas. I always thought Dallas was going to be East Texas. Turns out the most northern part of Texas, like Amarillo, that's actually because of the panhandle. But then you got... um. You know, then you got um, North Texas like that. San Antonio, Southern Texas, Crown Jewel. Central Texas is Austin and other places, and then a lot of open area. You know, so there's a whole bunch with this with these cultures, and just in one state, huge state. You know, and the culture happens so much in so many facets. I've just talked about languages. I've talked about accents. I've talked about food. I've talked about architecture. You know. Culture comes in many facets. We could talk about clothes. A person who's German and a person who's Danish don't dress entirely the same. I mean, the, the Prussians, Northern Germans probably in many ways do. You know, Lederhosen's, that's a Bavarian thing. Oktoberfest, that's a Bavarian thing. You know, people who are Bavarian dress and party differently from people from, uh, from Frankfurt or Berlin. Berlin, very Prussian in many ways. Had its own thing going too, but it, yeah, Prussian area. You know, you got people who are Saxon, they're different. You know, Austrians equate more with people who are Bavarian than the than, than Bavarians do to uh, people from Prussia. 
you know, you you got Poland. I mean, people from Warsaw and people from Krakow are not going to be the same as people from all the way from all the way in the western part of uh, Poland because that's former German and Prussian land. You know, Slovakian Czechs have a lot of similarities but are different from each other. They always consider themselves different people. That's why it's called Czech O Slovakia, the Czech and Slovak, or the Czech and Slovak Republic, as it was also called. You know, um, you know that's why now today we have the Czech Republic or Czechia. And Slovakia, the Republic, the Slovak Republic, um, you know, you got those things going on. Every single pl- down to the, could be down to the way. Who who knows the Swiss Miss hairdo? You know, with the curls and everything, comes from a Swiss look. You got people who are Spanish and Portuguese. They co- they 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 completely cover the Iberian Peninsula. But you got people who are Spanish and Portuguese, and they're different from each other. The language is different. You know, you say "gracias" to say "thank you" in Spanish, and "obrigado" in Portuguese. You know, there's a lot of other ex- examples I could say. You know, and there are some overlappings, of course, between Portuguese and Spanish. If you speak Portuguese and you talk to somebody who speaks Spain Spanish, I think you can get about sixty percent of the language across. You know, they'll get the main gist. But then you got even, like I mentioned as well, different parts of a country. The people who are Basque are completely different. They don't they don't consider themselves Spanish or French because Basque covers a region that borders both Spain and France. It's a Spain part and a French part, but they consider themselves one place. It's Basque country. They're different. Catalonians consider themselves different. Hell, they tried to declare independence, and the Spanish military went in and literally captured, uh, arrested every single politician they could and and got rid of the... Uh, autonomous government that they allowed Catalonia to have. No? We could look at Iraq. I served in Iraq with the military, some of you know, because I've talked about it, of course. And Iraq's got three main cultures. You got two different religion br- branches for uh, Islam, Sunnis and Shias. Then you got the Kurds to go along with it. The Kurds, I mean, they have they're, they're not a different branch of the faith, but they were a different culture. You know, and then you got the Assyrians and stuff like that. You look at Iran, mostly Persians. Not all Iranians are Persian. You know, that's a funny thing. All Persians are basically Iranians, at least if they're in Iran, of course. But not all Iranians are Persian. Um, you got the, the what do they call it, the short-lived Trans-Caucasus Federation or Trans-Caucasian Federation, something like that. And these guys, they were um, uh, Georgians and Armenians and Azerbaijanis. All completely different in many ways. I mean, the Georgian language. I've looked at the alphabet. The Georgians and the Armenians. Very different from each other. So, I mean, there's a lot to be had with these items, you know. Um, sorry, I was just looking at something as well. You know, and we're going to be closing this up soon because I wanted to keep this within an hour. Um, in the end, and I, I know I went through, I skimmed through a lot of this stuff in many ways, and I, I jumbled up on some stuff, but the truth is with culture, culture identifies so much. When I was at that Guyanese event, I get to see how the Guyanese, like a lot of Guyanese dress-ups, which a lot of them, they had a lot of a, a similar touch to like Jamaican look. You know, a lot of green, red, and yellow. You know, like the Jamaican flag and like the Guyanese flag, let's be fair as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, their music, very similar to a lot of Caribbean music. Their food, they love their chicken, not so spicy like the Cubans. Um, you, know, you know, I mean, there's a, a neighboring places they love their spices, but Guyanese don't. Um, they love their pork and chicken. You know, you got a lot of places like in South in, in the in uh, Spanish-speaking countries, they love their pork. Like Mexican cuisine can have a lot of pork involved in many ways. Cubans love pork as well, but then you got Guyana, not so much. Brazilians do though, a lot of pork involved as well, a lot of pork because of that Portuguese background as well. Um, and um, some of the nicest people I ever met. Oh, there were some nice people, some great people. But you know, this is um, it, it it really got me to look and see how a lot of the Guyanese culture is. You know, first off, Guyana is the only Guyana has two main historical backgrounds. They were colonized by both the Dutch and the English, and they maintain a lot of Dutch background as well. And then you got the three Guyanas, the three Guianas, however you however you personally pronounce it, because there's Guyana, the Republic of Guyana, which was a British colony, it was British Guyana. Next to it 
you got is um <clears throat> is French Guiana. It's still a French colony to this day. It's the only one of the Guyanas that's actually still treated as an overseas colony. It's still an overseas colony to this day for France. They don't even have their own flag. It's the French flag. And then you got next to them is Suriname. <clears throat> Suriname used to be known as Dutch Guyana. So you had the three Guyanas. And I asked, I asked my, I asked Gareth and his family. I was asking him. I said, "Is you know, do you guys consider yourselves relatable? Are the people of the three Guyanas relatable to each other in culture and stuff like that? You know, um, because there are places where people think like that. Bavarians and Austrians consider themselves cousins. Uh, people from southeastern France and northwestern Italy consider themselves relatable in many ways." You know, there's so many other countries I can mention and examples like that where they consider themselves so similar to each other. People of, uh, like, Togo, for example, like, they have parts of people like the Kabye and the, uh, the Awe, and they have a relationship in that way with the same people, like in Benin or going into Nigeria and stuff like that. You know, similar language. And, um, they got that. But the Guyanas, they don't. They don't see a real relationship because they, they each have their pride of their colonial backgrounds. The, the the Guyanese are proud of their Dutch background and more importantly the English background. They speak English. They're the only part of South America that speaks English. Suriname, the only part that speaks Dutch. French Guiana, the only part that speaks French. Brazil, they speak Portuguese. The rest of South America speaks Spanish. You know, and then of course you get the Andeans and the local uh, languages as well that goes for the local tribes in the middle of those areas, like in Bolivia and West Brazil. You know, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but they maintain that different. Now, maybe there's some kind of relationship with the with Suriname because of the Dutch background. I don't know. But basically, from what I was told, is I'm about to sneeze. Hang on a second. I just muted myself so you didn't hear a sneeze. Um, the three Guianas, the three Guyanas, they don't relate to each other. They don't. They don't see a need to. And that was that was that was something to learn. I always would have thought that the guy in, that the Guyanas, the people would consider themselves relatable, like cousins, distant cousins, stuff like that. They don't bother. No. At least the the British guy the Guyanese don't. The French Guyanans, maybe they do. Maybe the Surinamese, maybe they do. Um but the Guyanese of Republic of Guyana, they don't bother. They they don't relate to the people of um of French Guiana or Suriname. You know, there's actually some more relationship with the idea of some Venezuelans. I mean, honestly, to this day, Venezuela still claims that they that they have territorial claims over like 60 to 70 percent of Guyana. So that's the funny thing. But um, they they don't have a real relationship like that. So it is a real surprise. But with that, I want to be getting out of here, guys. I'm in a minute. Uh, I'm at 58 minutes and 40 seconds now. You guys have seen just about. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Check out our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash WNC, and support us. You know, remember if you donate a minimum of ten dollars before the end of the year, you will qualify to get into our tournament and uh, be on our show. And that's a wrestling theme one, of course. Um, you know, go to our website, WNC.world. Go to our Facebook page, WNC Network. Our Twitter, at the WNC Network. So many platforms. If you want to listen to us and download us on one platform, there's so many others. You know, Patreon, of course, is always a platform for when we post some stuff. Fight TV, Twitch, so many different shows and games and everything that we do. So um, you can get all that from WNC.world and go to our platform section. Um, if you guys have other stuff, send us an email, WNCshow at gmail.com. Uh, Yahoo, Dr. Jenkins was at Gmail. Send it to my Yahoo and um, to WNCshow at Yahoo.com. And let us know if you have other topics or questions, things that can go with these topics or whatever. Maybe we've already done an existing topic and you want us to clarify on some things or maybe expand or maybe a topic you have. Let us know. And it can be about psychology, reality check. It can be about any of our shows, you know. So just let us know, okay? But with that, I'm going to get out of here. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. I hope I didn't talk your ears off because I know I can. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one.